So tonight's going to actually look a little different. Uh, we're doing, uh, we're wrapping the series up with a Q and A. Uh, another way, I actually like the phrase question and response a little bit better because I'm not just like, I'll give you my best response. Um, it just feels like a better approach, but no one knows what Q and R is when I say it. So Q and A, so that you know what I'm talking about, but really Q and R, question and response. I want to give you guys an opportunity uh, as youth students to ask some of life's biggest questions here right now at youth. So we have a number that we're going to put on the screen. And this really is, um, this is anonymous. Uh, this is a way that you can ask a question anonymously tonight. Uh, and it can be about anything. It can be about something that's been brought up in this series, this burning question that you've had. It can be, um, it could also just be a question that you have about uh, what it, maybe what it looks like to follow Jesus or about uh, Christian worldview or theology, really anything. And it's gonna be impossible to answer all of your questions tonight, but I want you to know that anyone that texts in uh, will get an, an answer, even if not tonight. Does that make sense? Response, Response thank you. Uh, and um, we actually, I, I asked you guys on Instagram and I had to like pry it out of you. I was like, hey, any big life questions? And I got like two. And I was like, okay, any, any question. I don't even care if it's a big life question. And I finally got some. Um, but I'm excited because I asked my friend Dave to share to join us for question and response. Um, yeah, come on up, Dave. <laughs> this side's great. If, if you guys don't know Dave, some of you, how many of you guys remember winter camp, uh, Awaken? is what we called it. Yeah, Awaken. He spoke there. He spoke on spiritual friendships. Anyone remember that? Let's go. Um, and I wanted to pull him in. He's one of our pastors, and he's a close friend of mine, and um, he's just wise, and he's, um, yeah, he's also, like, approachable. I, I, as his friend, I feel like, man, I really could ask Dave, like, whatever, and he's, like, always gives a gracious loving, wise response. So thanks for being here. Thanks, buddy. Um, I want to start by saying this, um, that, that really uh, anything that we talk about tonight is not, a, is not a stance, right? Sometimes we live in a very pol polarized world where it's like, it's like choosing sides. Anything that we discuss tonight is a, is a conversation. So whether you're asking, we, we want you guys to really feel like I can ask a, a question that I've always had without being judged. Does that make sense? That we're not, we're not trying to like, um, we're not trying to like make sides. Even, even in our response, our hope is just to offer an honest, um, from our perspective, Christian response, biblical response, um, God-given response. Um, but we hope that this is an environment where you feel like I really can ask whatever without being judged. We hope that you feel like you can be a part of the family without believing everything that we believe. Does that make sense? That it's like, um, you're not going to be ridiculed or shut down if you have certain questions. We're not going to be like putting these up here and blasting these questions, like can't believe it or anything like that. That um, we, we want you guys to be able to ask, To we always say in youth ministry, we want students to give honest answers more than we want um, right answers. And the same would be true for questions, like we want honest questions more than we want the right questions, if that makes sense. And so 
Um, I'm gonna start us off, we're gonna move through some of these and then we'll, we'll respond to some of these ones that are getting texted in. And I wanna give an opportunity for people to maybe ask um, just by raising their hand. I know some of you guys, I saw Matthew like text in, I saw him like, what, I don't have a phone. So um, I wanna give space for that too. So um, let me pray for us as we enter in. God, we pray that you would just bless this time. We pray that, um, that you would maybe answer some of our difficult questions, or, or at least, God, that, um, that, that we, as we examine um, these questions, as we, as we respond to them, God, we pray that, um, that it would be your words more than me and Dave's words as we attempt to give biblical answers to these questions. God, we pray, um, we pray that we would walk away from tonight feeling encouraged and maybe a little more knowledgeable about these questions that we have. And um, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would be here. We pray for a real spirit of unity and of family. God, would this feel like a family conversation? It's your name that we pray. Amen. Okay. Awesome. Um, I want to start with this first question, which is, how do I respond to my friends uh, who are asking me questions about Christian ethics? Um, especially maybe, maybe if you don't know what ethics it means, it means like Christian views around certain things, whether it's right or wrong. Um, oftentimes, maybe from your non-Christian friend, they'll say like, I can't believe you believe this or this. And a student um, DM'd in there or like hit us up and they're like, how do I respond when I feel like people are like, like really upset or feel offended by um, my ethic? And so if that's a question you've ever had, um, I'm just gonna take a bit of, I'm gonna take my best whack at it. Um, the first thing I would say is um, when it comes to the, these worldviews or these ethics that sometimes they can feel kind of like hot button issues. Um, and so instead of immediately posturing it as a debate, um, instead we enter into humble conversation. Does that make sense? Someone brings up a, a topic and, and at first you may feel like, whoa, I need to have like, I need to defend this really well. And so you may posture up and you might enter a debate instead of a loving conversation. Um, one of the ways that you can do that in, is, uh, and we actually have used this in our ministry as a way, an evangelistic tool as well, sharing your faith. How many of you guys have heard of um, ask, admire, admit, right? When it comes to your faith, like, hey, what's your faith background? I, I really admire this about it, about your faith background. For me, I have to admit, this is my view. That's kind of the idea. I think that can translate into conversations around difficult topics, that just having a, a posture of wanting to learn from the person. Um, so you can ask, and here's, here's um, two good questions I think you can ask when it comes to something is, what do you believe about that topic um, and why? What, what unique knowledge or experience do you have that informs those beliefs? Helping those people unpack like, oh man, I had this experience and this is why I believe it, or I have this unique knowledge and this is why I've come to this understanding. Help someone to feel understood instead of like attacked during the conversation. And then often you can admire, I really think you can admire, some, there's something to be admired about any view that someone's taking, right? Um, like you can say, hey, I really admire this aspect about your view. And that's just a way of genuinely being humble to say like, hey, um, I can respect this. That, that helps people's guard come down. And then you can just admit, you can say, I gotta say like, I've got a little bit different perspective. Is it cool if I share mine? 
And now suddenly the conversation has opened up and, and you can share what unique knowledge or experience that you've had. Um, and so I think really coming into that conversation with humility instead of making it a debate is like one of the key ways of, of even, it's just a good way to like, if you, if you really have a desire even to persuade or change someone's mind, it's even a better way to do that, right? As opposed to like, like the conversation just immediately being shut down. And so, and, and then at the end of the day, you can say like, hey, you don't have to believe what I believe um, for us to be like friends. It's not, our, our relationship isn't, um, isn't hanging on this issue. Because if people feel like, man, they're gonna like kick me out of their life if I disagree with them, then it makes, all of a sudden it elevates the stakes for the conversation. Does that make sense? I don't know if you have anything to add to that. What's the question again, Luke? <laughs> Uh, how do you have, um, how do you respond to your friend who asks you about maybe Christian ethics or worldview, things that are good or bad? Yeah, I like a lot of what Luke said. I'll just add something quickly. Um, I think one of the things to remember is no one likes losing an argument. So there's this part in all of us, right, that likes to win an argument. I, I'm good at arguing, so I really like to win arguments. Um, and uh, my son is also good at arguments, so we have some good throwdowns sometimes. But, uh, but when you lose an argument, like when someone actually like debates you and you lose, you rarely feel like, oh yeah, they're right, I'm just gonna switch over. You generally kind of feel like frustrated or like put off. So I think just remember like winning the argument doesn't actually, isn't actually the goal. Um, and actually most of these questions are talking about issues that are peripheral. And I always wanna clarify with people, hey, I have some thoughts on that, but it's not the center of what it means for me to be a follower of Jesus. Following Jesus isn't a list of right beliefs about current hot button cultural topics. Jesus might have some things to say about some of those things, but underneath all of that is a deeper belief that God loves me, that I'm, I'm valuable, that all humanity is valuable, whatever, whatever those deeper things are that actually drive the belief, it's actually maybe important to pull your friend down into the deeper, bigger issue and not get lost in sort of the, the buzzing cultural uh, sort of debate because then we just become one voice amongst many when actually our message is a lot deeper than that message. Um, and I have a question for you guys. Does this happen? Can I, does this happen to you? Like how many of you are like, I have friends who will like come up to me and be like, I can't believe you think this about, you know, abortion, homosexuality, politics, whatever it is, right? Do you have this, does this happen to you? It does? Okay, good. Well, all right. So it's a relevant question. I was just curious. Am I allowed to ask questions too or not? Is that, is that legit? No, you have to text them individually. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, I have to text them in. Sorry. I have my phone right here. I did bring my phone. Um, I feel like I, I started off by talking a lot. Do you want to take this next one? It's kind of connected in some ways to the last one. How do you help someone seek Christ when they are pushing him away? Well, that's a really, you know, case by case situation. But I mean, the biggest thing is just being the kind of person that feels like you unconditionally love. If it feels like I only like you or love you or want to be with you, as long as you're sort of fitting into my agenda, that's always a kind of a never, doesn't make anybody feel good. So I think just continuing to be like, hey, no matter where you're at with the Lord, I love you, I value you, I'm praying for you. Um, that I think would be a great starting place for that, that conversation. And then I think just feel the person out. I wanna say mostly don't give up. They probably will tolerate 
10 more invites than you think they will, 10 more offers to pray for them than you think they will. Like you think, I think they're probably starting to get annoyed with me. You probably have 10 more shots, right? So push yourself a little bit, but also read the room. And, you know, if they've said no to coming to youth group like 15 times, don't be that person who's like, want to come to youth group tonight? And they're like, I've just told you 15 times, no, you're starting to bug me. So I, I mean, but you're probably a long way away from that. Most of us are too oversensitive. So I would say, keep inviting, keep offering, keep living, keep loving. That's good. Um, this next question was actually, is it okay to love someone from a distance? And I laughed at that a little bit. I was like, secret admirer, stalker. Um, I think what this person means though. We have a hard response and stance <laughs> yes. against stalking. No. We yes. do. That's one thing we do have a stance on. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Um, I think what this person might be saying is, is how do I, um, how do, I, how do I love someone who's maybe hurt me? That's my guess. I'm just gonna read into it a little bit. And uh, uh, actually, I've, been, I've, th I've thought a lot about this in my life, particularly have had a difficult relationship with my family. And uh, even the summer spoke on it, so you can listen back on that. It was an awesome sermon that Luke gave on that. Hmm. Sunday morning, tune in. Thanks. So you can go back, you can listen. Uh, one of the things that God has taught me when it comes to this, because I've asked this question a lot for myself, is that um, God does call us to forgive people. I think there's a lot of scriptural, um, there's a, scripture speaks strongly to that, to forgive others, um, and even to forgive them over and over and over. But there's, a, there's, um, there's some, some other level, some layers deeper that you can go with an individual, and that is reconciliation and trust, in that we aren't necessarily biblically mandated to reconcile with everybody or to trust trust those individuals again. So you can love, you can forgive without saying like, and I'm gonna get together back in relationship with that person, even if they've hurt me, we're gonna reconcile and I'm gonna give them my trust. Is it looks a little bit different than um, loving them from a distance and saying like, uh, I forgive you, I hold like no hatred in my heart or any ill will towards you, um, but you may have boundaries still. Does that make sense? Well, I'm taking the next one because I like this question. Why is it so hard to stop sinning? So many, this is a great question because it's true for all of us in this room. Every single person in this room has wrestled with that. I want to stop sinning, but I keep sinning. The Apostle Paul talks about this. He says, all the things I want to stop doing, I'm doing, and the things I want to do, I don't do. Like, what's wrong with me? Why is there this desire? So a couple things is the reason it's hard to stop sinning is because you're a sinner. Like, it's woven into you and me we're born with this desire to do things that God doesn't want us to do. That's, that's answer one. Answer two, response one, sorry, Luke. Response, response two is because sin is often appealing and fun. You're like, I, w I wish I'd stop sinning, but that sin is really great. And I'd love to sit up here and be like, it's not great. And really it's not, long-term it's destructive. It'll take your life in the wrong direction. It's bad. But some sin is pleasurable, exciting, um, enjoying, all that stuff. And so one of the challenges is that oftentimes what we do is we try to sort of convince ourselves we don't want this, this sin. And we try and resist it. And like, I don't want it. I don't like it. I'm going to try and resist it. But I really love it. The question is, and the way to maybe get around that is, you need to love something more than you love sinning. This is the Jesus way of combating sin that is different than the world's way of combating sin. The world just say like, fight, discipline yourself, 
do put all these external barriers up. And some of those external barriers are good, right? Like if you like eating cheesecake, don't buy a cheesecake and put it in your fridge, right? If you, um, if you struggle with looking at stuff on the internet you shouldn't struggle with, then don't keep your phone in your room at night um, when your parents aren't around and you are tempted. Like there's, you can do some external things, but the deeper thing is fall, love Jesus more than you love sin. Fall in love, like train your life and your heart to love God more than you love that sin. Love the peace you have and the confidence and the lack of stress and anxiety you feel from not doing this more than you love it. So it's it's a different approach as opposed to just, I'm going to fight it, fight it, fight it, fight it. Then I caved in. Fight it, fight it, fight it, fight it, and I caved in. That is just an endless cycle that will not work. How's that for an answer, Luke? That's great. I'm all for it. I'm Luke asked me it. to do this like 15 minutes ago. So these are not canned answers by me. I, I did say, <laughs> hey, uh, not to appear super disorganized, but do you want to join us for youth tonight and do Q&A? And he's like, And I was like, go. only for you I would do it, Luke, because you are the best. Thanks. This, you guys are like- Luke is the best, you guys. You guys seriously have the two greatest youth pastors in the history of youth pastors. And I used to be a youth pastor, so I know a good youth pastor when I see a good youth pastor. So Thanks, anyway. bro. You guys are like, wow, I thought we were coming for Q&A, but this is us just witnessing a bromance. Yeah, we are a little bit. Luke and I do like each other a lot. Um, next question is, what is sin? And uh, which is, I think is a good follow-up to the last question. What is sin anyways? And um, I, I heard someone say, I, when I was growing up, I heard this a lot. Sin is missing the mark. Uh, sin is like, God has a standard and you miss the mark. Um, and I would say sin is missing the mark, the standard in which God has for us. Uh, but I think that that answer can be misleading at times because, because to miss a mark, uh, if you've ever done like any kind of target shooting, can be an accident. You can be aiming for the mark, your very best, and still miss. And I would say sin is missing the mark on purpose. It's saying like, God, it's, it's, it's your heart posture towards God saying, God's given me a way to go because he loves and cares for me. And I deliberately am going to choose um, my, my own way. And so, yes, it is missing the mark, but it's also choosing to miss the mark. Does that make sense? That's a really good answer. I just feel like you skipped a couple of questions. That's why I was scrolling on you. I did a little bit. And I really like these questions. Am I allowed to go back to them? Go back. Can I? Yeah. Whoever asked these was, was good. Because yes, why is it hard to stop sinning? And there's like a follow-up question. Why do you stop, how do you stop the world from transforming you and how do you let Jesus transform you? And I think this is a central question for you young people and I think it's really crucial for you right now. Um, the way you allow Jesus to transform you is you give Jesus access to you. You are never, you're not transformed or influenced by people you don't hang out with. The people that influence you in this world are the people you're spending time with. It's why your friends have so much influence over you because you're with them all the time. It's why hopefully your parents still have influence with you because you're with them sometimes. It's why this youth group has influence on you, I hope, because you're here hopefully every Wednesday or as many as you can make. The only way Jesus has influence to transform your life is if you give him access to your life. So this is why, and this is, and this is, this is part of that falling in love with Jesus and like falling out of love with sin process too. And that is, do you give Jesus places to to speak to you, talk to you, hear from you? Um, this is why, this is why your playlists on Spot. I, I, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. This is why your playlist on Spotify are so essential. 
You've got to listen to worship music. I'm not saying you can't listen to any other music, but you need to listen to worship music. I mean, my kids will tell you, I, I crank the worship music and some other music too, but I crank the worship music because it speaks and reminds my heart of who I am and who my God is. And that's the kind of stuff that, that you need. And that's what you're giving Jesus access to. Music seeps into like the deepest part of your soul. And now you're giving Jesus, like not Dr. Dre, the access or whoever you guys listen to now. I don't even know who, like who it is. I don't even care. But give Jesus access to that deepest part, right? Um, that's why prayer matters. That's why taking that five minutes in the morning or 15 and just spent talking to God for a few minutes. Um, so I read in the Bible is important too, but I think worship, I think the worship music piece is maybe the most essential for young people. And so get like a, I, mine's called Dave's Worship. On our, I feel we have a family Spotify account. It's called Dave Worship. And I just file songs on there. And every now and then I ask Nick and Luke, like what are the good new worship songs? Julie Penn gives me some sometimes. And I throw them on there. And then I just play that list constantly. When I'm in my car, when I'm hanging around the house, and it just, it just, it, it's part of the transforming process. So you've got to give Jesus access to your life. You can't expect to think like Jesus, be like Jesus, feel like Jesus, walk like Jesus, live like Jesus, if you're not spending time with Jesus and not just here at Youth Group. It's got to be on your own. Sorry, I'm getting it's a little good. preachy, Luke. No, it's great. I, um, a while back, we, we did a series, and we, we were saying, we were talking about music. We said, um, that what you listen to might not um, make you depressed or make you sin. Uh, it might not make you happy or not, ma not make you or make you whatever, but it could make it things worse and it can make things better, that it plays such a huge role. The other thing I would say is, as Dave was talking about allowing things to influence your life, if someone said, hey, um, how how has Danica changed your life? Has it was it her or was it you? The answer would be it was her. Yes. The answer would be yes. I allowed her to. The truth was like, and sometimes when Danica goes on vacation, I experience this. I revert to like um, Cheetos and staying up late and like taking poor care of myself and fall into like bachelor life, bachelor style life. Like oh, I'm a, you know. But when Danica's around, I'm more responsible. I'm, all because like. She has an influence and I allow it. Um, That's good. And it, so this is both an active role and a, and a somewhat passive role in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. You say yes to the Holy Spirit and you're active in pursuing um, these this lifestyle. And it's passive in that the Holy Spirit just does a work of regeneration inside of you. If you overemphasize the active role, um, then you're going to become full of pride. You're gonna think that you've done it all in your own life. like you know what, I started reading my Bible, I put this playlist in my life, and now I'm just the man. And it's, it's um, not acknowledging the role that the Holy Spirit has done in regenerating you. And if you only focus on the Holy Spirit's role in regenerating you, it might lead to like a more lazy, like, come on, God, why aren't you doing your work in me? So, I don't know. Yeah. It's good. I'm also just really interested to eat Cheetos and watch movies with you late one night. That'd be fun. Let's go. That sounds amazing, actually, when Danica's not home. Actually, I really don't. I don't know why I said that. I really don't. I've never liked Cheetos. Um, well, my dreams are all dead now, Danica. This next question is, why does God continue, um, continue to forgive us? And I would just say that the reason that God continues to forgive us is because he really, he really does love 
you that much. Um, he could have he could have really thrown his hands up in the air, said like I made this creation, they went their own way, and I'm done here. But he loved you enough to climb down from heaven in the form of Jesus Christ and die on your behalf. And so um, sometimes we think that God is like stingy that he with his forgiveness that he is mostly frustrated with us. And it's really interesting that in the Old Testament he actually leads with um, he leads with the when they say like, what's your name? He says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. He actually leads with mercy and grace. And I would say that mercy and grace and love are God's default. That when he has to um, have any form of judgment, it actually just like breaks his heart. Um, and I think you just actually spoke on this on Sunday, right? As I was saying that a little bit. Yeah, um, I think one of the questions I would ask just as a follow-up for you guys to think about is, how do you, when you think about it for a second, how, what do you think God thinks about you? What do you think God feels about you? Like, I know you know the right answer. Luke just said it. But like, what do you really think? Do you, when you think about God, he's seen you at your worst. He's seen you at your best. He knows your deepest stuff, right? But, and how does he feel about you? Some of you, I think, really think God's disappointed in me. Or God wants more from me or God he tolerates me and that's just absolutely not true those are just absolute lies from the pit of hell what Luke said is 100% true so I think really digging down not just hearing that answer in your mind but digging down into your heart and going what do I think God thinks of me and then rewiring that for to the truth of what God really thinks about you and how much he does value you I said the same thing you said but I felt it more, it was great. Um, why do bad things happen? Actually, I addressed this in a, a couple weeks back, so not to plug the podcast again, but check it out. Um, and in the, 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 the simple answer, but maybe what doesn't, but is like, isn't a good answer for someone that's going through pain is God gave us free will. Um, he, he created us. He said, "Like you can, you can act, you can love me, or you can choose not to love me." And in Genesis, when and and since Genesis, we have chosen to go our own way. It, it broke it broke something inside of us. We we became like sinful at nature, um, but it also did something in the world. So that now there's sin, hurt, brokenness in the world. Um, but the good news is that he he did go to great lengths to reverse that brokenness through Jesus' death. He's going to make all things right. All tears will be wiped away. Um, but these are just answers that sometimes fall a little short when you're going through pain and suffering. Like someone's like just experienced a death or got a diagnosis. Um, I mentioned in the sermon that Job's friends, if you read the book of Job, had a lot of the right answers, but it was just bad emotional intelligence and they were saying it at the wrong time in the wrong ways. Um, like, And so... Um, one thing that's really crazy about the book of Job, for instance, is that God never tells Job why he went through the suffering. We know if you read the book of Job, you know why he went through it, but God never tells Job. And it's almost like God knows that even if Job knew the answer wouldn't be good enough, like Job might still be like, really God? Like, that's why I went through that. But um, more than answers, like we really need God when we're in our suffering. And so, 
And that's what Job clings to in the book of Job. He clings to God. Um, and at times is even really honest with God. And I, I will say like, I heard someone recently just say, even though there's pain and brokenness in our world, at least God isn't removed from it. He's not a stranger to pain and brokenness. Jesus actually experienced pain and brokenness on the cross. And so, so he's allowed pain and brokenness in our world, but not as a stranger to pain and brokenness, which I think is really something worth noting too. But I told Dave I was gonna kick this one to him because he didn't hear my sermon and might have extra stuff to add to. But. Yeah, just a little. Um, I really liked what you said, Luke. I, was gonna, I would also just add um, that if you're going through something super hard and you think, how could God let this happen to me? Um, I've, I've been in that place before in my life and, and some of you have already been in that place. And if you haven't been in that place, you, you probably will at some point. You'll get, it will, something will happen in your life so hard that you will think, well, how could this, how could God let this happen? I understand like kids being mean to me at school or not making the soccer team, but this is just way over the top. I, I don't understand why God would let this happen. And I would say the scriptures say um, in that moment that God hurts for you and he will use it for you. His promise is that he will redeem all pain in our lives, that he will use that pain in our lives. And also one of the things is just to sort of guard you for suffering is Jesus tells us it will happen. Like right now, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, I don't know about this question, I can't relate to it yet. Get ready because it's a promise in scripture. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus says, I came as the son of God, perfect, loving, kind, merciful, gracious, and they hung me on a cross. What do you think they'll do to my followers? In other words, you are this, the sinful brokenness of this world will intersect with your life at some point. God promises that it's going to happen. He knows it's going to happen. He's promising you it will happen. He says, I will be with you in it. I think he uses that sometimes to teach us to trust him, not just use him. Sometimes a lot of us, we do this all the time. We, we use God, like God, I'm going to go to youth group and be this good kid. And like, that's my end of the bargain. I worship. I got a playlist just like Pastor Dave said. And now your job is to keep my life going great. Right? And we'll have this good relationship. And God is like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not to be used that way. So even when life is hard and things are difficult in this world, do you trust me? And then, so God uses suffering to teach us to trust him. So anyway, I feel like I could go on and on about that. But um be prepared for suffering because it's coming. Jesus promises it'll happen. He will be with you in it and he will use it in your life. That's really good. Um, okay, these are the ones that have been coming in. Oh, so this is where- This is live time now. This is live now. Okay. Some of these may have been answered um, as we were talking. And so if, if we see one that's similar, we might skip over it. Also, if we see one that we think um, may need more time to unpack, it's not us dodging the question, we just recognize Hey, this question uh, requires a lot, a, a, a longer answer, and we're, we'll get that to you. Does that make sense? But this first one um, is why am I so worried about the future? I would say for you, um, I don't know exactly why you may be worried about the future, but I know that you're not alone, um, that lots of people worry about the future, they worry about what's going to come. I find it comforting that Jesus says, um, there's a, on this, I think it's in the Sermon on the Mount, he mentions uh, that God takes care of the fields, the flowers in the field and the birds. And he says, why then do you worry about tomorrow, what you're going to gather, what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear? Does God not care more about you than he does 
um, these other things. And so uh, I would just say that as like a, just, just to comfort you. And I know that um, at times, maybe fear and anxiety, you can know a truth like that and it's really hard for it to sudden in your heart. And so I know I can say like, hey, don't worry, God's got you. And that the reality is you may know that in your mind, but your heart um, struggles to know that. And um, I don't know actually if I have like an amazing answer for that, except for I know that, um, that you're not alone in that. And I know that God, God does have uh, your back. I don't know, anything you'd add to that? Can I, is that all right? Please do, yeah. Um, I think one thing, a question that you, I would love for you guys to get used to asking yourselves is, what would Jesus do is a good one. The one I like a little better is, what would the gospel say to that? Like the good news of Jesus, the gospel, that God loves you, that he loves you so much that he came to earth, gave his life for your sin, that he promises to save you, redeem you, restore you, uh, bring you into his presence to live in paradise for all eternity. What if, you, what if you really believed that? Not like kind of believed it. Like what if you really believed that the God of the universe was for you and with you and that you were his son or daughter? Like if you really believed that to be true, that the God of the universe had your back and was gonna use everything in this world for his glory and your good. If you really believed the good news of the gospel, then how would I respond to my friends talking bad about me, right? Well, it'd still be hurtful, but it wouldn't crush me because my identity is wrapped up in who Jesus says I am, not in who my friends say I am, right? What if, um, what if I won the lottery tomorrow? I would be pumped, but it wouldn't be the defining moment of my life because I'm already, I've already been declared as a daughter of the creator of the universe or a son, right? So the gospel sort of grounds us and the gospel says, I don't have to worry about tomorrow because no matter what comes, good, bad, great, or horrible, the God of the universe promises to be with me. And when you, if you really believed that, now worry starts to melt away. So it's not about like pushing worries out of your mind. It's about rooting yourself in an understanding of who God is and who he says you are and how much he loves you. And that will like peel a lot of the problems that, that, people in the world and teens of this world face peel away when the gospel gets planted deep in your soul. I, I hope you have an answer for this one. I'm actually clueless. You want me to read it? Yeah. What do you think, Pastor Dave, the Lord thinks of Pastor Luke's haircut? Just <laughs> um, I don't know. I think he likes it. I'm just teasing. It doesn't say that. Am I, am I embarrassing? Is that, is that all right? Is that too far? It's a little embarrassing. Is that a little embarrassing? Yeah. We don't talk about your hair in youth group? <laughs> Dax, Dax is feeling me right Dax now. Dax is feeling you right now. You guys are feeling each other. Um, Sorry, that wasn't what was written. I was messing around. The question was... I had to bring some levity. It's true. That's the last true. question felt intense. Sorry. It did. Okay, read it for me, Luke, will you? What happened to the Gentiles before Jesus came? I guess this is more of a, maybe more of a question about heaven in that dynamic before Jesus arrived on the scene? I don't... Yeah, well, the New Testament talks about how um, by faith, like faith is trusting in what you don't see, right? And there's a difference between, by the way, blind faith, like I just believe anything, even if it's crazy and it's faith, and like reasoned faith, thoughtful faith. And the New Testament talks about how by faith, 
uh, people before Jesus trusted in God and his saving power and that he would redeem them. They didn't know it would be through Jesus per se or exactly how it would happen, but they trusted that God would make a way of salvation for them. And so in the same way we have trusted in Christ specifically by faith and have salvation by faith, they also can could attain and have salvation by faith, but it's always been by faith and trust in God, not by like rules and regulations. One of the ways we, we, we show our faith, we display our faith is through obedience, doing the right things, saying the right things, practicing our faith. But it's not the practice that saves us, right? We practice it because we believe it. We practice it because we've received salvation from God by faith. Same was true in the Old Testament. So that's my answer. I was going to add to that. Um, we actually see also that God adds Gentiles into the family of God throughout the Old Testament. And so it wasn't just like, if you're wondering like, hey, was, was uh, life with God reserved only for the Israelites? The answer is like, no. It was always the plan that God's family would be a witness to the world and bring the world into God's family. Yeah. This next one says, uh, let's say a really nice person who has done good things all their life but never got a chance to find and believe God. Um, where would they go? Uh, heaven or hell? Um, you got this one, Luke. <laughs> I would just say, um, also listen to last week's podcast. It was on heaven and hell, uh, but it was on life after death, actually. But I would say that sometimes when I look at the life of my non-Christian friends, me and Danica have talked about this, we go, they're so nice. They would make such a good Christian. Like, I've, I've seen these people in my life where I go like, they really do live like a really moral, amazing life. They, they're like great with their f family. They like are making wise decisions. And so, um, and if, if I were God, it, sometimes I, I think of it wrongly. I go like, if I was God, like I would go, that person is, is, um, is so legit. They're justified before God. But, but we know that, uh, that all, all sin, uh, any, even the smallest sin, separates us from God. And so someone, even, as, even if they're amazing, um, they can never be amazing enough to get to God. And that's part of the gospel is that um, we don't climb a ladder to get to God, but actually he climbs down to us. And he wants so badly for everyone to accept that gift of salvation that he actually makes it really accessible and easy. He says, accept my gift of salvation, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and like you're in, he, he doesn't desire for anyone to go to hell and he's made it as so, so easy that even a child or someone who experiences disabilities um, can accept it. And so I would say that no one is good enough to earn their way or work their way to heaven and that God wants everyone to be able to come to him. For someone that's never heard, I guess I wanna address that. Romans talks about this and it says that, that Romans 1 says that God has revealed himself through creation. And so that, um, that God knows the true inner, inner, part, inner part of a person. And he knows that with the information given, um, did they receive him or not? Even if it's just creation is all that they have, they've had and they go, I know about a God, and this is the, the limited info that I have. God knows um, if they, how they stewarded that knowledge. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's, I was going to say the same. That's what I was going to say. Great answer, Luke.
that type's real small. So I'm having trouble reading that. These are my weaker reading glasses. Julie, courtesy laugh on that, at least, from, okay. from you. Can you read that? Thanks. <laughs> have, have we had this one? Is That's that, hilarious. Is that fair? Um, we've, we've kind yeah. of addressed that. Oh, yeah, we've addressed that. It's good. That one, too, right? Yep. Do we have enough time for that one? Mm. Oh, that's a good one. Take it. Why doesn't God always show he is listening to you by responding to your prayer? Right? And I think one of the... I'm going to add, to, I'm going to go back to Luke's question with the last thing about like, do you get in heaven if you've heard about, if you haven't heard about Jesus? I think sometimes we, we whittle down, we whittle down our, what it means to be a Christian into getting into heaven or not. And we want to kind of know like, what are the minimal entrance requirements? Like what's the smallest I have to do so I can still get the prize at the end? And that's kind of what we think about. That's how we approach our faith. And Jesus never talked about this. He never approached it that way. He came and said, like, like, the kingdom of God is available to you. You can live in a world where God is king now and forever. That's the message of Christ. That's the good news. Like, you can become a child of the king. You can live under the rule and authority and reign of God. And, and like, you can become one of his kids. That's available to you. Like, it's available to you now and for all eternity. And so when we ask questions like, how do, like, can I get into heaven or not? They're not terrible questions, but they're not necessarily the, the right questions and I think the same is true here a little bit and that is prayer isn't like a, a gumball machine where you put in a quarter and you twist it and you hope for a blue one and you're like sweet God did it um, we too often treat prayer as like God here's my list it's like he's Santa, he's like Santa but all year round here's what I need right I need to do good on this test today I know I didn't study can you just bail me out this one time right and we kind of treat prayer that way where prayer is really more like you know when you pray you pray at the end What's the last thing you say when you pray? Some of you know this. We say amen. But that means like, I agree, I believe it. But you, at the end of your prayer, you, you, there's a little phrase we often say. In Jesus' name. And I pray it in Jesus' name, right? And ultimately what you're, this is my simple way of explaining that. I think it's really good. What you're ultimately saying when you say in Jesus' name is like, Jesus, anything I prayed right now that you would sign your name to, make it be so. Like if you'd sign off on it, if it's your will, if it's what you want, then make it so. But if I prayed something that's, that you wouldn't sign your name onto, that you, it's not in your will, that you wouldn't put your name on, then no. And so sometimes I think the reason that God doesn't respond to your prayer exactly how you wanted, when you wanted, how you wanted, is because maybe it's not what he wanted, or it's not when he wanted it. Or his ways, the scriptures say his ways are above your ways. And you think, I don't see how God could see it any differently than me. It's like, well, you're a finite human being with a limited understanding and visibility to all of reality. He sees it all. And so maybe he has a different plan than you. And maybe you don't understand it. Um, and that's why the prayer like exchange thing doesn't always work out exactly how we want. Now, does that, is that easy? No, because there's times that I'm praying for something and I just want God to do it. And I don't understand why he wouldn't. Um, and that's hard. But that's where you have to kind of come back to saying, do I trust who he is? Do I trust that he's in control? Uh, do I trust in like what he's told me? And for me, the answer is, is yes. Sometimes I have to struggle to get there. But that's, that's my answer. That's good. This question is, what are sentence starters to...
start a conversation with about faith with someone who doesn't have a relationship with God. And uh, uh, I usually start it like this. This is how I started. I was, we have student leadership leaders, by the way, we like help each other evangelize. That's what student leadership's all about. We are just meeting at five o'clock to talk about this. Um, so we've been practicing this. It's, it's really awkward at times, but like even just today, I knew I was gonna meet with student leaders and I'm like, I gotta at least be able to say like I'm doing this with them. But I was in Costco picking up pizza for FCA. And uh, I was like, I have an hour and all these people are just eating um, like these foot long hot pockets and like pizza. I guess I'll try this out. And you I- You had one of those hot pockets? Oh, okay. I thought you said Ten, you had one. No, they were. Like there's all oh. these people eating these hot pockets. 10 a.m. is like a little early for me yeah. for one of those. But I'm like, so I didn't, literally sometimes you just state the obvious and this is how I did. Hey bro, I know this is really awkward and you can even say, I don't wanna have this conversation with you right now and I'll respect it, but I'm a Christian and I felt led to talk to you about Jesus. Um, is that okay? The first guy said, yeah, I'm a Christian. And I was like, oh, I love it when this happens, great. <laughs> awkward conversation dodged. The second person was like, um, I was like, hey, I know this is awkward. Felt led to talk to you. Do, you. do you have a faith background? He was like, no. And then it was a pretty awkward conversation actually. And so, but he was really gracious. At the end, I was like, bro, thanks for being gracious. I know that like you could have just told me you didn't want to have the combo, but I appreciate you being gracious with me. And so sometimes I think just stating the awkwardness, hey, I know this may be weird, but I am a Christian. I feel led to do this. And sometimes what I've said too is, um, like the, that Penn and Teller quote that maybe you've heard me say, where they've said like, they're not Christians, these are magicians if you know them. And they've said, they've said, I don't respect a Christian that doesn't evangelize at all. Because if you really believe what you believe, if you have such an amazing hope and you don't share it with me, like how much would you not care about me? And so I have sometimes told my non-Christian friends like, bro, even if you just have to accept this as my love and care for you and write it off, like, I'm cool with that. I want you to believe it, but even if you have to like kind of pity me, I'm actually okay with it. But I'm doing this because I love you. I want to tell you about Jesus. I don't know. Can um, I tell you how mine goes? Yeah. This, this one won't relate to the students at all, but this is how it goes for me. I meet the person and I say, so what do you do? And then they tell me and then they say, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. And then there it goes. <laughs> so... It's, it's easy. It's an easy intro and you it get is. right in and you can tell right away if they want to talk or not. You guys should use that one. Yeah. <laughs> You're like unhelpful, Dave. Actually, I'm a pastor. Everyone's like, what? I don't say it like that though, because that would be a turn off. Oh, if you were a high schooler though, and you said that, they'd be like, Yo, that's cool. true. That would be, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be, that'd that'd be, be awesome. next level. Really? You are? Um, this one is, is drinking alcohol unholy. Mm. And, um, how do I be public about my faith in school? They did a twofer. Uh, I would say. By not drinking alcohol in school. <laughs> I'm, that's a good way. Um, the alcohol question is a really good one, actually. I would say that there's freedom. If you read through scripture, you find that there's freedom in Christ to drink alcohol. Um, there's, not, uh, there's not freedom to become drunk. Uh, and I would say that um, that you also have to go off of what the Holy Spirit's convicting you personally on. Like uh, in my own life, 
I haven't yet felt like the Holy Spirit has said like that I can drink alcohol as an adult. And so I've followed that conviction. But when I see a brother in Christ who's of, of age, of alcohol age, and they're drinking, there's not judgment for that if they're doing it in a way that isn't, they're not getting drunk. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's good. And I think it's also another way that we sometimes tend to define our faith by external things, right? Like a lot of times, because it's easier it's easier to kind of go, I'm a Christian, I think this about these three issues, and I don't do these things, and I do this thing, and so I'm a Christian. And and I think also, I want to say real clearly, it's, it is unholy to drink alcohol if you're a high school kid. Yeah. It's against the law. The scriptures tell us to follow the law. I was just going to circle back on that and Thanks. say Thanks. Yeah, no, I just want to be clear on that. I think you did a good job, Luke. Um, so that's that. Let's be real clear on that for your parents when they ask you later. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, where was I on the other thing? Oh, I just just but, but be careful about defining your faith by externals, right? Internal faith leads to external attitudes. So again, root yourself in Christ and then follow what He would have you do, um, and He would have you in this case to obey the law. Yeah, there's also that verse, and I'm you would might know where it's located, Dave, but it talks about not being. Um, it's, fu- it's a funny verse. I think it's meant to be funny or a little humorous. It says not to be drunk on anything but the spirit. Mm-hmm. And they were in a context in which people were being drunk and influenced by alcohol. And that these al- this alcohol was actually connected to like um, pagan deities and they'd get drunk on the spirit of alcohol. And, um, and the, the Bible just says like, there's something better to let allow influence your thoughts and actions. So that's good. Um, we're at eight ten. I want to. Prov- I want there to be. And by the way, there are still more questions coming in. There's some that, like I said, we didn't have time to address within the time frame that we had tonight. Uh, but uh, we will address these questions. You can even text them in after tonight. If it's not addressed, uh, we'll, we'll text you back on this with some answers, uh, and also maybe you'll find some of these questions, find them ways into sermons. But I did want to give some space. I said that I would for people that maybe want to raise their hand and have a question as well. I know it's like, takes a little more gumption to do it in front of all your peers, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's a good question. Um, it's a tough one to answer. I'm thinking, let me, I'm thinking about it here, Caleb. Leave it to Caleb to ask a tough question and target me instead of Luke. Thanks, Caleb. No, I'm just kidding. No, I think uh, I would, I, I'm, I'm tempted to say this, and so I'm trying this out. I, I, let me see if I agree with myself in just a second. Um, have a deep faith, have a, grow a deep faith, a deep relationship with Jesus so that people know that you're the real deal and a deep faith where you understand the word of God and you've read scripture and you've studied up, right? Start that process now, grow a deep faith so that you can offer deep answers to people because I think our world is longing for depth. Um, I think like simple, trite, surface level answers um, I think, I think your friends want you to go deep. So 
So I would say if you've got the depth, if you can go deep, Caleb, you go deep. Now, deep doesn't necessarily mean harsh or attacking or doesn't mean you have to give a 45-minute sermon on them. But to, to give a thoughtful answer that, that challenges. And I also say, like, um, part, of, part of being a Christ follower is letting the Spirit lead you. But that doesn't mean being unprepared. And, and also the scriptures talk about, like, be winsome. Be, be, be winsome, which is a way of saying, like, you're, you're trying to meet people on their level. And... Um, and to draw them in, and like part, part of being part of winsomeness is humility, right? Like people sense, like, oh, there's a humility and a confidence to this guy, and he has something to say, and he's thoughtful about it. Oh, that's winsome. Um, everyone else is kind of just being surface level. This is difficult because one thing I'll say is it's a lot easier to ask questions than to give answers. I can rattle off 15 hard questions in like 15 seconds, but. To answer those questions may take 15 minutes each and some work. Questions are harder than answers. So you're already at a disadvantage. But if you can go deep, go deep. Your friends may not even in that moment say like, oh, that was great. That really helped me. But they'll think about that stuff later. So grow deep faith and go as deep as you can. How's that helpful? Any other questions? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. It's good. It's a good question for Luke. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to take my best whack at it, okay, Maddie? I think that um, as we talk about being controlled by this, the Holy Spirit instead of being controlled um, by something else, I think that, uh, that alcohol is something that where you can actually um, drink like a beer without without it totally taking over your mind. And I would say that with drugs, um, that it's just not like that. It's not like you can, you can ease in, that it actually does, it has an immediate effect on your ju judgment. And so that's why I would say there's a bit of a difference. Yeah, I also think the other thing you always have to be, you have to consider as a Christian is, what's the witness you're offering others? So even when you back up to alcohol, um, if you're of legal age to drink, it might be fine for you to have a glass of wine or a drink in your home with people that you're comfortable with and that know you and that understand your integrity. But if you're with a different group of people, maybe a group that struggles with addiction or a group that doesn't understand who you are and what you're all about, you can easily give the wrong impression. And I would say you would almost always give the wrong impression if you're doing other kinds of drugs. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, there's another reason to sort of avoid that stuff. Plus I think even with, it's always a good example to say, what's the benefit and why am I doing this? Like, what's the benefit for me and why am I doing this? What's the point? What's the goal here? So consider that as well. Is it taking my life in a good place? Is it going to lead me somewhere positive? Um, or is it going to take me away from the Lord and maybe even get some control in my life? There's a new, like, ad campaign out right now about vaping. Have you seen this? About, like, it's like vaping takes over your thoughts and all you can think about now because it's so highly addictive. And it, there's like a little tagline that says something like... Uh, um, vaping leaves you with this many toxins in your body, including regret. And it's like this idea that like, it never is taking your life into a good place. Like it's just not leading down a good path. So why start it? And I think that's, a, it's a really great message. Not a Christian message necessarily, but it's a good message. It's good. Let's take, um, let's take one more from the audience, from the crowd, the crew. 
that's chill. That's a good crew, by the way, right here. It's a great crew. Do you guys always sit like girls, boys, like, like really oh, wow. segregated almost? Not, not, 100%, not 100%, but pretty close. This is, is this how they sit, really? Or is that, like, or is it just? It's typical. I'm just like, no, um, Baby Noah's on the right side, Danica. There she is. Oh. Um, this is connected to something oh. that we answered. I just thought maybe we should clarify that. Oh, that's good. Did you guys say that people in remote places will go to heaven if they believe in creation and that's all they have? and don't know about Jesus? What's the point of missionaries going out into the world? Why would Jesus say these things? That's a great question. We didn't say if they believed in creation. We said that creation, Luke said, I think I'll clarify what you said, what I heard him say, um, was that creation points to God a creator, right? That if you, if you look at creation, logically it points to this did not happen on accident. Someone set the moon and the stars and the earth and the way it is this is an ordered complicated complex world we live in and it points to a creator and that then there's some there's some there's some vagueness and there's some ambiguity about what if somebody says i believe in a god who created this but they never hear about christ what happens when they die i one of my answers is always like i don't know and i don't have to know and i don't have to decide because guess what i'm not the judge I don't decide if any of you will go to heaven. I don't even get to decide if I'll go to heaven. That'll be his call, not my call. We, I do know this. It's easier to believe in God when you have specifics and details, right? So the reason you go out to share about Christ is because, again, it's not just about trying to get people into heaven. It's because we believe that walking with Jesus here and now in this world is the way, the truth, and the life, and the greatest way to live now and forever that's one reason we share about Christ. It's, it's not just about getting to heaven. It's about living this great, amazing life that Jesus offers you. That'll be full of hardship and struggle, but also love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all those things. And I believe it's easier to put your faith in a God who you know the details and specifics about. So for both those reasons, it's important to go out into the world and share the gospel. It's important to have people who are out on the world as missionaries. Um, and there is sort of a undefined space for people who never do hear the gospel. Again, I don't know that we have to or can even answer that question. That's good. How do you feel about that answer, Luke? Really good, actually. I was like, wow. So I'm glad you took it. <laughs> um, Okay, I know that we are limited with time. Uh, I want to dismiss you guys quickly into small groups, trusting that you will um, maybe pray on the back end of small groups. Does that sound good? Can I say something real quick? Yeah. Hey, thank you guys for having me tonight. This was way more fun than I thought. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Yeah, and I, and I would say, like, um, maybe you come on Wednesday but not Sunday. Join us on Sunday. <laughs>